Well, great to see everybody today. Welcome to Centerpoint. If you are, uh, yeah, we can celebrate God's goodness together. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Woo. Hey, if you're new with us, I'm John. I'm glad that you came today. And we're about life-changing connections. Make sure you stop by the blue tables on your way out uh, so that we can make that connection with you. And if you need somebody to pray for you, at the end of the service, just come up front. we got people ready to pray with you for whatever's going on. But before we get into the message today, uh, I want to introduce you to a couple of people. And the backstory on this is the following. Uh, so during 2020, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. And we all know all that. But all kinds of good stuff happened too. Like, for example, uh, Tracy Meeker was our children's pastor during that time or before that time. And during the, the wonderful year of 2020, she ended up getting married to Aaron Brown, the prophetic artist that we know and love. And that's awesome. She became Tracy Brown. And with that came a move up to Redlands. And what that meant was that uh, we didn't have our children's pastor here anymore. And so since April, since we reopened kids, we've been on a search to say, God, would you allow us to find a great children's pastor for CP? kids. And at the same time, in the last couple months, we've seen our team that's been on deck rising to the occasion in incredible ways, like really doing amazing work. And, and we began to think, God, would you be so good as, allow, as to allow us to see both a new children's pastor join our team while also seeing the team that we have rising even more. And that's exactly what we're going to be celebrating today as I make an introduction. So I'm introducing you, first of all, to our new children's pastor, and that's Chipo Makwakwa, but I'm also introducing you to Robert Hill. Why don't you guys come on up? Chipo and Robert, leaders of CP Kids. Yeah. Yay. So this doesn't happen very often because usually the people that are running and leading everything with kids are very busy uh, on the other side of the campus. But uh, so here we are with Chipo and Robert, and uh, I want to just share a little bit about them and put them on the spot a little bit. But you know, so so Chipo comes to us, born in Zimbabwe, but for the last several decades, you know, living here and 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 serving as a children's pastor, mostly in uh, in two Nazarene churches and then in a non-denominational church in. Texas and comes to us as a pastor and we receive her that way. And it's what we've been praying for. And what happened was uh, about four months ago-ish, uh, we had a, a connecting point lunch and Chipo was kind of new coming to our church a bit and, uh, and I met her at that connecting point lunch and I just knew in my spirit, I think God's on the move by bringing you here and it's not just to have the lunch. And so we made a connection. But at the same time, like I said, over the last couple months while our team was making it happen, Robert Hill really has risen to the occasion and provided the direction and management behind the scenes to keep the wheels going. And, and we just thought, you know what the perfect combination would be? A, a seasoned children's pastor with a couple of decades of pastoral experience and the goodness of Robert Hill rising up in a position we didn't even have before that we're calling CP Kids Manager, bringing the orchestration. And so I'm just so grateful that we get to welcome the both of you. I'm so excited about it. But take a minute, Chipo, and just share a little bit. Yay. Celebrate them. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I want you all to know that my socks are already being blessed off. I love it all year, and I love you all already. But what I especially love, Pastor John, is that our families are already doing what Jesus tells us and says in Matthew 19, verses 14. 
let the children come to me. Come on. Do yeah. not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such, such as these. Yes. Woo! I don't know about you, come but on, I Pastor. love that. And so I just get to step into that, <laughs> partner with parents and families, yes. and say together, we're going to mold their faith. We're going to shape it. Yes. We're going to nurture them. Yes. And all the while pointing them to the very person of Jesus Christ yes. until they come into a loving, knowing, saving, personal relationship with the one. Come on. Amen. Preach. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs> Robert, what about you? Tell us a little bit about your passion for what God's doing in, in CP Kids and your part in it. Okay, well, I, I mean, just that baseline. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I love Jesus, um, and I'm really super passionate about kids. Let me make sure. I want everybody to hear you. How does this thing even work? Oh, you guys get, yeah, use that one. <laughs> so, back to where I was. I'm super passionate about the kids, um, and just super blessed to see your kids growing in their faith and growing in their worship, and just that relationship, and um, being able to pour into all these kids um, that I've developed. I've, I have like 300 best friends who are all like 10 years old. <laughs> and uh, also then I'm just super humbled by how awesome all your kids are. And that is in every bit due to you guys and to Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Amen. Awesome. So here's what I want us to do. God's, God's doing a new thing. Can you see it? Does that verse ring a bell? Behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you see it? Like that's what God says. And for some of us, we're going, I don't know if I want to see it. But he's doing it. So look at it and celebrate it. Celebrate that he's doing a new thing, church. All right, so here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to join me to commission these two. Chipo coming in as a new pastor. Robert rising up a, a, officially as part of the leadership team. And I want you to pray with me over these two. The ministry work that they are doing for our families and kids is powerfully important. And I'm asking you, church, to be the kind of church that would say, we'll pray for them. We'll bless them. And so let's do that now. But let me ask you a question. Do you receive Chipo as one of our pastors and do you receive Robert as one of our leaders? If you do, say, say that. All right. So let's take a moment and let's just pray for them together. Okay, so uh, why don't you put your arm around her so we can make this uh, a little bit personal for a second. Jesus, thank you for your goodness in CP Kids. And thank you, God, that you have uh, raised Robert up in a place of leadership with a gift of administration and orchestration. That you've raised Chipo up with a gift in the filling and flowing of the Holy Spirit as a shepherd and a pastor. And thank you that you've blessed us as a church with this mighty team right here. And I pray your blessing over them, God. And together as a church family, we commission them. We commission them to rise up and take their place and raise up a generation of world changers through CP Kids that will be filled with your spirit and grounded on a knowledge of your word, God, and live a life filled with your presence and your goodness. So we bless Chipo and Robert in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people say, amen. Yay, guys. We celebrate you thankful for you. All right, well, I want to uh, jump into part three of this series through the book of 1 John. So I want you to get your Bible open to the book of 1 John. So 
get your Bible app open and scroll up there or flip the pages to 1 John chapter 2. And, and while you're getting there to 1 John, uh, I just got to tell you uh, about how a couple weeks ago I, I went to the dark side. I'm talking about Walmart. I went Walmart shopping and I went at like 6 in the morning because that's the only sane time. Like that's before the crazies come out, right? I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm there at Walmart at 6 in the morning picking up a, a bunch of cleaning supplies. Like that seems to be my contribution to the household is about once a quarter. I go and buy like five bottles of Windex and bleach and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and, and I was going over through the, the food section and I thought to myself, I want to get a treat that I can have later today, some, some kind of a treat. And for some reason, I, I found myself going down the cereal aisle, and I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a box of sugary, nasty cereal for my treat, you know. And, and for some reason, Cocoa Puffs was crying out to me. I, I just, I was hearing it in the back of my mind, I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And, and I know it's like not PC to say that anymore. It got canceled or something, but I was hearing it. Anyway, I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And, and I got that box off, and I was like shaking the box and seeing if it was full and heavy. And, 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 then I, and then I thought this frugal idea was coming to me. And it was, you know, wait, wait, wait. I could spend a little less. And I could get the, the generic brand. And they have something called Cocoa Crunch just over there. I picked that one up. And I'm shaking it, sniffing it, seeing if the chocolatey goodness is still there. And it kind of was mixed in with all the Walmart aromas. But it was there. You know what I'm saying? But then I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I remember something around the corner, and I went around the corner, and lo and behold, they had these, like, I don't know, like 18-pound bags of super generic version cereal. Like, and so it went from co Cocoa Puffs to Cocoa Crunch, and now we're at Cocoa Roos. And I, I get this, like, 50-million-pound bag, and I throw it over my shoulder like I'm Santa Claus. I'm, like, smiling. I'm excited. I've got my treat, you know? Anyway, I, I bring that home. I'm filled with anticipation and expectation. That night, it's time to get that treat going, and I pour it into the bowl and I put some oat milk on it because that's how I roll these days. And, 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 then I, and then I put that spoon in my mouth and I tasted it and it's gross. It tasted like sugary sawdust all mixed together. Come on. Ain't nothing like the real thing. I want you to just say that. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Somebody's trying to feel that Marvin Gaye feeling right now. You're like, ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Yeah, and I don't know where it goes from there, but, but, but I, I want you to just say it again. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Ain't nothing like, come on, say it, for real, say it. Ain't nothing like the real thing. And I'm not talking about sugary cereals anymore. I'm talking about the fact that sometimes generic is not the legit way to go. And that is especially true when it comes to your spiritual life. Generic is not the legit way to go. I want you to be opening to 1 John chapter 2 right now at, at verse 18. And what we're going to find in this scripture is how incredibly important it is that we move beyond the generic. Because it is not the legit way to go when it comes to your spiritual life. And so we're turning to the scriptures in 1 John 2, 18. Would you just shout right now, I love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Yeah, so speak to us, God, as we read your word. 1 John 2.18, dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches 
but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you His Spirit. And all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son, say it, is an antichrist. Say those three words again, is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Okay, right out of the gate as we get into this part of 1 John, we're get, getting hit with this word antichrist. And this is a loaded word for some of us. Uh, uh, say it again, antichrist. And if you say it with a growl, it feels even heavier, antichrist, right? Like it's this word that for, for some of us, it's loaded because it, it brings up uh, images to our minds uh, because we know that there's a correlation between this word antichrist and what we do find in the book of Revelation called the beast that rises up to bring about destruction in the great tribulation of the last days. And so, yes, there is a correlation between this word antichrist and what we find in the book of Revelation. But what, what John is saying here is, yes, there is the antichrist, but also there are many antichrists. And it's just part of the reality. I think that's what Holy Spirit through John is trying to communicate here is, look, there is something about this antichrist thing that you need to be aware of. I don't want you to be ignorant about it. So everybody just say that word again, antichrist. Antichrist, And as we're wondering, well, what is an antichrist? What is the antichrist? We need to know it's a word that simply means to be an adversary of the Messiah. To be in opposition to the Messiah, Jesus. I mean, that's the essence of it. And we find a little bit of comment in, in, in the verse that we just read about the antichrist. Verse 22, it said, who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. And read the last sentence on that verse out loud. Ready, go. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Wow. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. That is someone who is an adversary to the Messiah, Jesus. And a person who is in opposition to the Messiah, Jesus. The antichrist is on one hand a mindset, a mindset of opposition to the need for a savior. It is someone who is an adversary to the notion that we need salvation. Uh, the Antichrist is a mindset but can also be a spirit, an, an evil spirit that causes there to be a conclusion that people don't really need Jesus Christ as Savior. Let's just keep it superficial. Let's just talk about God out there somewhere like a genie that we can make wishes to. Let's just keep it like that. Nice and simple. Socially acceptable. Everybody can handle that. Let's just keep it at the lowercase g God out there somewhere kind of a level. That comes from the Antichrist spirit. And the Antichrist spirit, you've probably come up against it. Like you've probably come up against the Antichrist spirit with that one person at work where uh, they always mock your Christian faith when they hear about it. 
or the antichrist spirit shows up in that, that one family member where whenever there's a get-together, uh, any talk about spiritual life and trust in Jesus, they just shut it down. Don't want to hear anything about it. The Antichrist spirit shows up in virtually every movie coming out of Hollywood these days where every other line is using the name of Jesus Christ as a curse word. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. That does not come from the spirit of God. It comes from the Antichrist spirit. That's where it comes from. You've got to be able to say it like it is. But the Antichrist spirit also shows up in the Bible. For example, the Apostle Paul. Back before he became the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul who was killing Christians. Where did that come from? It came from the Antichrist spirit. And so, in a sense, John is saying, yes, there is an ultimate reality in the end times of the Antichrist. But there's also the reality right here and right now of the Antichrist spirit that just kind of shows up. And you and I need to be able to recognize it for what it is. And at the core, the Antichrist spirit is about denying Jesus as the Messiah. And, and so, I just want to say to you today that there is something beautiful about Jesus in his love. That he would be willing to lay down his life for every single one of us so that we could be forgiven. The beauty of Jesus and his willingness to say, I want to extend my grace covering to you. And I want that for you so much that I will take all your sin to the cross with me. There is something so beautiful about that which Jesus did to show me his love. But you know what? There is an exclusivity in the beauty of Jesus. That he is willing to say, I'm going to take all your sin for you. I'm going to conquer death for you. I'm going to open a way to heaven for you. And because of that, I have no problem giving my exclusive devotion to him. I have no problem giving my exclusive affection to him because he did what exclusively he could do to bring forgiveness to me. This is the reality. You and I need to acknowledge that there is an exclusivity about who Jesus Christ claims to be. And we need to say a good old Amen about that fact because <laughs> he did what needed to be done. Yeah, so Anne and I were talking to, um, uh, to a, a young woman recently who was sharing with us about how she was in a relationship for almost three years and the relationship came to a kind of abrupt end. And what happened was that uh, a few years ago when she met this guy, she was not walking closely with Jesus. I mean, that was something from her childhood, but that wasn't where she was. And so she got into this relationship and talking about church or Jesus, that just wasn't even part of the deal. They did a basic check-in at the beginning where she said, so you believe in God, right? And he said something like, yeah, I believe in God. And so she's going, okay, good enough, good to go. But over the last few months, this young woman just had this stirring in her heart where her, her faith in Jesus Christ was being reignited for real. And she was experiencing a personal revival in the last few months. And at the same time, they started talking about getting married. That was going on. And so she had this conversation with him saying, hey, look, if we're going to be talking about getting married, if we're going to be married, we need to build this marriage on the love of Jesus Christ and, and on a faith in Jesus Christ. And, and he said, well, listen, that's not what I'm about. I don't believe in that like you do. And she's kind of heartbroken saying, wait a minute, but I thought, and he said, I, I told you that I believe in God, but that doesn't mean that I'm into all of this Jesus Christ stuff that you're talking about. And she just knew this isn't going to work. 
Because I've got a fire of the love of Jesus Christ burning in me. And it's not going to work with, with what's going on here. And so just before getting engaged, the relationship came to an end. What was going on? What was going on is that that guy, he had a, a belief in God. But it was a generic belief in God. And, and all of us know plenty of people who, who believe in a, a distant deity, lowercase g, kind of a God. And they'll talk about like, oh yeah, I believe in God. But do you know what? That kind of a belief in God is not nothing. James 2.19 even says that demons even believe there's a God. It's not, a, it's not some big victory to say I believe in a G-O-D, lowercase, out there somewhere, kind of a hallmark deity. And, and I want to tell you for a moment that that kind of generic faith will get you only generic results in your life. And, and I want to tell you right now why a generic faith in a generic God is weak. A generic faith in a generic God is weak because a generic God can't change you. A generic God can't challenge you to grow beyond where you are right now to where you really can be. A generic God isn't going to champion your righteousness and show you how to live it out. A generic God isn't going to chisel away at the sin in your life that's keeping you bound in shame and darkness. A generic God isn't going to chart a course for victory and calling and purpose and destiny for you. A generic God is only going to cheapen your spiritual life because a generic God isn't the one who ever gave his life in exchange for yours through his death on the cross. No, only Jesus did that. And only Jesus is the one legit, real thing. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Nothing like a real faith in a real Jesus. And so the generic surface level, I believe in God, whatever I conceive of God to be garbage, I reject it. I reject it outright, right here, right now. And I invite you to say it with me, I reject it. Oh, you want to hold on to it? You want to hold on to the lame, powerless, make up your own deity as you go along, lame sauce, weak sauce kind of a version of faith? No, thank you. I reject it. I reject a generic religion. I embrace, fully embrace Jesus for real. That's the main idea of my message. I want you to just say it one time with me. I reject generic religion. I fully embrace Jesus for real. I want you to say it one more time. Some of you mumbled it along with me. Others were just silent, stoic and silent. And I'm wondering why. But would you just say this with me? I reject generic religion. I fully embrace Jesus for real. That will be the source of power for your life. That will be the source of a real lift out of the pit for you. That will be the source of real victory and overcoming. That will be the source for you of a life that leads you to the hope of heaven. That alone will bring you the, the God solution that you really need, which is his gift of salvation. And, and so I want to just tell you right now, when you embrace 
Jesus for real, when you fully embrace Jesus for real, he begins to, to build you in your life from the inside out with hope and love and power. When you fully embrace Jesus for real, you get to receive his spirit. That's what we read in verse 20. The Holy One has given you his spirit because of your belief in Jesus. And as you receive his spirit, as you embrace Jesus fully and for real, you get to experience having a shepherd in your life who's leading you down the road that he has marked for you. When you fully embrace Jesus for real, you get to have the protection that comes from a shepherd who's got your back. When you embrace Jesus for real, you get to experience his voice as he speaks to you and gives you insight and shows you the way that you're meant to walk in. I fully embrace Jesus for real. This is what I want to invite you to, to a life where you embrace God's word and you say, I reject generic religion. I fully embrace Jesus for real. I believe that's what this scripture is calling you to. I, I don't know about you, but I, I heard the, the, the words that were used here, the distinct words. In verse 23, it said this. It said, anyone who denies the son doesn't have the father but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Did you catch that? Anyone who denies the Son, that is, I believe in lowercase g, God out there somewhere. You might as well say, I believe in a genie in a bottle. No, but anyone who denies the Son does not have the Father, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. I want to keep reading in verse 24. Jump down to verse 24 with me and we keep going. It says, so... You must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you'll remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, everybody say fellowship. In this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Let me repeat that verse. I am writing to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. False teachers showing up, spouting off. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. You don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Everyone say those, three, those words. Remain in fellowship with Christ. Say it again. Remain in fellowship with Christ. Say it one more time. Remain in fellowship with Christ. Put your hand on your own heart and say it personal. Say, I remain in fellowship with Christ. These words, what we're invited into is a different kind of way of life altogether. It's a way of life marked by such close connection and community and attachment to God that here the scripture calls it fellowship. You're invited into fellowship. Let me share this same verse with you from the, the King James Version. The King James Version puts verse 20, 28 like this. It says, and now little children abide in him. Say those three words. Abide in him. One more time, say it. Abide in him. Abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Abide. Remain. Fellowship. 
these are the words that paint the picture of what God actually envisions for you. Not, not religious metrics of some kind of religious performance game. That's not what he was after. What he was wanting for you is a life of such closeness with him as your heavenly father that it would be called fellowship. Being able to experience a closeness with God that would be life-giving for you. That would be a nourishment for your spirit within you. That God envisions a closeness where, where you would always have a secret place encounter time with him that would give you the strength you need for whatever you've got to face. Abide in him. Abide in him. Look at somebody sitting next to you and tell them what to do. Tell them, abide in him. Look at your son and tell your son, abide in him. Text your daughter right now and tell her I got a word for you. Abide in him. I'm not even kidding. She'll say, what are you talking about? Then you can have a conversation. <laughs> Abide. You get to do this. You get to at every moment and any moment with the knowledge that you have embraced Jesus, Messiah, and because of that, you know God as your heavenly Father. You get to run into his presence and get from him everything that you need. The strength, the hope, the encouragement, the touch. The insight, the closeness, abide in him. This is what we're made for, that kind of life. Life of coming close to him and enjoying his very presence. But uh, in order to experience that closeness, we need to embrace how loved we are. For some of us, we're hearing about this, this abiding in him and being close with him. But we find ourselves thinking, I don't know though. I don't know if I'm qualified to do all that. I don't know if that counts for me. Maybe that's only for those other people that were shouting real loud and raising their hands real high during worship because they feel real good. But what about me? I'm telling you it's for you too. I'm telling you that the Father in heaven right now is saying, daughter, I have a place for you up close and personal and I want you here and I've got strength for you and I need you to come get it from me. Welcome into my presence. Come abide in me. Do you know, it is the privilege of the Christian life to know that in a nanosecond, all I got to do is in my spirit, I turn and I'm there in his presence, soaking up his goodness, feeling his power, experiencing a surge of hope because of his light bursting into me. That's what we get when we remain in him. When we, as the NLT put it, continue in fellowship with him. Or as, we, as the King James said, abide in him. I'm going to do it. Somebody say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to abide in him. Let me, let me keep reading though. Verse 3, it said, see how very much our Father loves us. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that's what we are. That's what you are. You believe in Jesus as the Messiah then you know the heavenly father. We are his children. That is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. Isn't that kind of fun? It's kind of fun, right? He has not even shown us yet what we will be when Christ appears. Isn't it kind of like a good dad to say, let me give you something to look forward to. It's a surprise, though. I'm not even going to give you the full view quite yet. 
Come on, somebody smile at me for a second. It's good news to think that you have a father who's kind of like that. Like, I just want to put things out in front of you that would be something to look forward to. Yeah, he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. For we'll see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure. Just as he is pure. All who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure. Just as he is pure. I want you to read verse 3 out loud with me. Ready? Say it. All who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure. Just as he is pure. An eager expectation. We get to have this eager expectation of what can happen in our life as we're following Jesus. We get to have this eager expectation of what a spiritual life with our heavenly father can really be like. We get to have this eager expectation of what following Jesus in this world and on into the next is going to be like. And I have that eager expectation. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to the very great reward that he is and that he has. I'm looking forward to it. I have a great expectation. I do. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I have a great expectation because of who my Jesus is. I want you to just let it get into your mind for a second. Like just boom, imagine like the second coming of Jesus and the bright dazzling glory of his goodness just showing up and he's calling your name. Ah, just imagine it. You breathe your last, you cross the line, you're in glory forever. Ah, come on, what a great expectation we have. What a great expectation. Let it soak in. Don't get so caught up in the cynicism of this moment or the difficulties of these things that it eclipses your view of the great prize that is out ahead for you. Ah, what a great expectation. But what we just read is that those that have such a great expectation keep themselves pure. Ah, so we're called to some action at this point. All of those that have such a great expectation, we do something along the way. We keep ourselves pure. Keep ourselves pure. Uh, a, a, a few weeks ago, uh, my wife said to me, hey, babe, can you please look at the dishwasher? I think it's broken and there's something wrong with it. Can you just uh, figure it out and take a look at it? And I thought all kinds of not happy thoughts at that moment because I know exactly what comes next. What comes next is hours and hours of frustration and trying to pretend like I know what I'm doing when I really don't have a clue. So anyway, I open up the dishwasher door and I look and down in the bottom, it's filled with this nasty, murky, grayish, greenish, bluish, nasty water with little things floating in it. I uh, I'm going, why, why, why me? <laughs> anyway, I put on my rubber gloves and I get down into that and I get a bucket and I get a little yogurt container and I'm emptying out the water from the bottom of the dishwasher. Nasty, some of it's splashing in my face and blah, you know. <laughs> I finally get to the bottom and then there's this kind of filter contraption. I pull that off and it's like coated with nasty, green, slimy grossness. I'm so sorry if you ever ate dinner at my house and thought the dishes were clean. I don't know. I, I mean, I took that thing I'm cleaning that and dealing with that. Then there's more puddle down further and I dig deeper and get more stuff out. Not at the bottom, there's like old rotten green beans and popcorn kernels and like pieces of decaying meat like just sitting in there. It's just so gross. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, when did I go to dinner at John's house? Was 
it before or after. Anyway, I, put, I get this stuff out of the bottom of that thing and I clean it out with some napkins and I, I, I rub my hands together and I, boom, I'm like, done. Okay, I run the dishwasher again because I got the nasties out. It's looking pretty pure to me at this point. And uh, I have this great expectation that it's going to work. And I run the cycle and then I open the door and it's a puddle again. It's not as nasty as before because I had tried my best to get it a little bit cleaner, but it was still broken. So I did what any homeowner does at this point. Hours of YouTube video watching. That's what I did next. How do you deal with this thing? I'm just cheap sometimes. Like I know some of you would have called the appliance guy like the first drop, but I just needed to try, right? And so I pull out, uninstall my dishwasher. I turn it upside down. I got my videos playing. I'm undoing the pump at the bottom of this thing. And I, I undo the pump at the bottom of this thing. And inside of the pump, there's more little pieces of green beans and corn kernels and a Band-Aid and a, like a little chicken bone down in there and a piece of popsicle stick and it's stopping the blade that would pump this thing from working. And, and so I fixed that and I put it back together and then it worked. And by the way, I just have to say, I'm, I got to clear something up. I'm actually mixing together two stories <laughs> because I'm describing to you the, 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 the time when I actually fixed the dishwasher. The more recent time that this happened, uh, I just actually went right straight to Lowe's and bought a brand new one instantly. I just <laughs> couldn't even handle it. But I'm, I'm remembering the first time that I actually did fix it. And uh, anyway, uh, what I was thinking about is this is that the scripture says those who have this great expectation keep themselves pure as he is pure. And I think about how with that dishwasher, uh, I, I, I did a little bit to try to get it cleaned up. But there was still something deeper that was stuck in the heart of it that was keeping it from working the way it should. And I think that you and I need to contend with this reality that we have a great expectation for what our life with God is going to be like. But we do need to embrace this calling to keep ourselves pure. And I can't tell you that every day I'm hitting a, a 100 on the scale of 0 to 100. In fact, here's what it's like for me. It's like most days I'm, I'm thinking, you know, on the keep myself pure factor, I think I'm doing okay. Like maybe I'm in the 70s somewhere. But then all of a sudden something will happen and mm, boom, down to like 32, right? Because I'm hating on this person and thinking nasty thoughts about that one. And, and I'm like, God, help me. Forgive me, you know. I know right now some of you are struggling because you're like, I can't believe that the pastor just said that he said. Listen, don't ever think of a pastor as being on some kind of holier-than-thou pedestal. Your pastors are just people who are on the journey like you are, who are working out salvation with fear and trembling. And, and, and so I find myself hearing this. Those who have this great expectation must keep themselves pure as he is pure. And, and it's a challenge for me. I find that I have some good days and then some not so good days. What do I do? What do I do about it? And what does it mean that I have not as good days on that scale if there is one? And there isn't, by the way. But the text continues with some strong words that I think we ought to hear. Okay, so we keep reading in 1 John chapter 3, now at verse 4. And it said, everyone, because this is what we're talking about. We're talking about sin. It says, everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away. 
let me just say this one again. You know that Jesus came to take away our sins. You know that Jesus came to take away our sins. Let me say it again. You know that Jesus came to take away our sins. He didn't come to come up alongside us and go, oh, you got a little sin in there. That's so cute. No. Jesus came to take away our sins. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful Jesus was willing to get down into the dirty of the pump of my heart and deal with the rotting chicken bones that were stuck in there, keeping me stuck in bondage. Jesus came to, say it, take away our sins. Yes, he did. And there is no sin in him. Verse 6, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning doesn't know him or understand who he really is. Dear children, verse 7, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they believe. <laughs> Wait. Are we sure we want to read that? I don't know if I really want to read those words out loud. But hold on, they're, they're God's words. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. He's coming after me to rescue me with his love and redeem my life from the pit. But he's coming after my sin to destroy it from off of my life so it doesn't destroy me. Do you hear that? He comes after me with his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his gift of salvation. But he's coming after the sin in my life to destroy it from off of my life so that it doesn't destroy me. He came to destroy the work of the devil. And the scripture calls our sin the work of the devil. I'm so grateful that my Jesus has something about him. That he's not just soft, gentle, sweet, and syrupy. He is strong and mighty and ready to come and deal a death blow to the sin that would otherwise do me in. I'm grateful for my Jesus Messiah. I'm grateful that when I go beyond the generic religion, I encounter a savior who's willing to say, listen, I'm, I'm going to go into the depths and I'm going to deal with the things that are so stuck deep down where nobody even knows. And I'm going to pull that out and I'm going to set you free. And I'm going to release you to the great expectation that you should have of what it's like to live with me and follow me. But let me keep reading. Verse 9, it says, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning. Because they're children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Verse 9, one more time. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. You know, let's just, let's just pause for a minute. 
this is one of those parts of the Bible that it gets real heavy real fast. All of a sudden, we're, we're confronted with the reality of sin and, and we're wondering, well, what does this mean for me? What about how I blew it last week? Does that mean I'm now disqualified and that God doesn't love me anymore and that I don't belong to God anymore? Here's what I want to make sure that we understand about reading the Bible. That what we have to do when we read the Bible is read the whole Bible. Like you can't just take 1 John chapter 3, verse uh, 7, 8, 9, and highlight that and say, that's it. That's my faith. Therefore, I'm dead. <laughs> like you can't do that. You have to recognize something. The same, the same Holy Spirit that inspired 1 John 3 that talks about if somebody sins, they don't belong to God, is also the same ver scripture that, that contains 1 John 1, 8, that says if anyone says they don't sin, they're deceiving themselves. The same one who wrote, if anyone uh, sins, it shows that they're not children of God, is the same one who wrote, if anyone sins, we confess our sins. This is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to just see that it is not either or. It is both and. And part of what happens in 1 John chapter 3 is it's our heavenly father showing a bit of his stern side. And like any good dad would, who's a good dad, who loves his kids well, there's going to give a boundary and say, this is the line. Don't cross it. But I don't know about you. As a dad, I, I, have, I have a line that I've said to my kids, don't cross it. But then I also have another line right there too. And I also have another line right over here. And then I have another one right over there. And I guess what? Every time one of my kids crosses one of those lines, yes, I'm going to reach right across it. And with my love, I'm going to grab them back and pull them back. And if they cross that one, my love's going to go there too and pull them back. And if they cross that one, I'm coming still with love that keeps on going. Because I, I'm just a regular human earthly dad and I'm willing to love like that. But how much more my heavenly father who's demonstrated the full extent of his love by allowing Jesus to pay the price for my sin and yours. And so yes... I want to hear my heavenly father as he shows a bit of his stern side here. But I also want to keep in mind that it's tethered to his mercy. His sternness is tethered to his mercy. His wrath is tethered to his kindness. His fury is tethered to his forgiveness. And, and so I'm embracing that tension and I'm not running from it. But I am going to recognize what I just read. Those who have been born into God's family, verse 9, don't make a practice of sinning. And I like how the New Living Translation puts this. Don't make a practice of sinning. That is, willfully just decide, I'm just going to be about this. This is just going to be who I am. I'm going to just do this. It's what I do. It's who I am. I'm going for it. Full tilt. This is what the scripture is saying. God's people don't do that. Well, God's people, what we do is when we recognize, man, I've just crossed the line, we repent. We confess our sin. We turn back to him. And every time we do, you know what we're going to find? Mercy. Forgiveness. The arms of a father open wide. This is the gospel. The gospel is that we have a father who loves us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that Jesus would conquer 
destroy sin so that we could get, be set free from it. I'm grateful. I want you to pray with me right now because for some of us, uh, we, 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 need to, we need to keep something in mind. The scriptures are always calling us to this awareness that there's an old nature and a new nature. That there's an old way of life and a new way of life. And, and that's kind of what's happening in 1 John 3 also in a very stern kind of way. Like for example in Ephesians 4.24 it talks about you got to put off the old nature with its sinful desires. And Galatians 5, 16, 17, 18 talks about, yeah, don't follow the desires of the flesh. Instead, follow the spirit. And, and, and in, we, we get this calling from God to embrace a new life. And for somebody today, it's one more moment where Holy Spirit is waking you up to, to keep stepping into the new life experience with Jesus as your Lord. And for somebody else, right here and right now what's happening is you are receiving an invitation. And the invitation is to turn from sin and turn to Jesus and ask him to forgive you. And he's going to do it. He's going to forgive you and save you and set you free. And I'm praying right now that God would do a spiritual awakening for somebody. So would you just take a moment and pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you, Father, that, that when we reject generic religion and fully embrace Jesus for real, we receive a flow of your mercy and your love. And I'm asking for that flow of your mercy and your love to every one of us right now. And so while we're praying together, uh, for somebody, you came to church today just kind of trying to figure some things out, this is what God has for you. An opportunity to be made totally new. And the way that happens is you turn to Jesus and say, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I want to turn from my sin and turn to you. When you do that, he receives you with open arms and a gift of salvation is given to you. It can't be forced on you. It's something that's offered to you like any gift would be. But for somebody, this is the moment where you need to say yes to him once and for all. And so today, while we're praying together, if you're here right now and you would say, I need to do that. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to ask him to forgive my sin and save my life. Right now where everybody is praying, I just want you to raise your hand. If you're saying once and for all, I need to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. Raise your hand right now and raise it high and don't hold back. Up in the back, I see you. That's excellent, man. And you, sir, also. Thank you. That's great. Anyone else, I don't want to miss you. I want to make sure you have a moment. If you're on the patio, you raise your hand. If you're online, you just take this moment and you type into the comments, I need to say yes to Jesus Christ. And those of you who had a hand raised right over here, in my, right in the back, thank you. The, the three or four of you I've just connected with, way in the back and the left, thank you. I just want you to pray right now. And that's you talking to Jesus. And in this moment, talking to Jesus, praying, you say something like this. You might just say, Jesus Christ, I see you, young lady. That's great. You say, Jesus Christ, I, I believe in you. Everything starts right there. You just say it. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And I repent and turn from my sin. And Jesus, I turn to you. Just you pray and say something like that to him right now. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I turn from my sin and I'm turning to you. Just say it to him. Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me and save me. Just cry out to him right now, Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? Maybe even say it with me, Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? And just say, Jesus, 
I'm yours from this moment on. Thank you for new life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen. Amen. Why don't you just celebrate for a moment? God is so good to welcome sons and daughters into his family. Would you stand up with me? While you're standing, let me share a testimony with you. In the 9 a.m. service, there, there, we, we prayed for healing. Don't, don't leave quite yet. Just stay with me a couple minutes. We prayed for healing. And there, was, uh, there were two people that weren't even here in the room. They weren't even on the patio. They were at home online. But they needed the prayer for healing. And we prayed for healing. And, and they wrote back to say, I don't even know how this happened. But right in my house, God healed me in my body when you prayed. And, and so I want you to know our God is a healer. And, and, and his power is on the move to bring freedom and healing. And so I want us to take a moment just before we, before we rush out the doors. I know we're hungry. We want lunch. And nobody's hangry yet. So just hang with me for a minute longer. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Why don't you just try saying that out loud. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Just say it to him. Jesus, I love you. Yeah, I reject that generic religion. I fully embrace you, Jesus, for real. Savior of my life. Lover of my soul. The one and only one who put up the price for me to set me free. Jesus, I love you. Just say it. Jesus, I love you. Come on, say it. Jesus, I love you. Take a deep breath and say it like you mean it. Jesus, I love you. Come on, let your affection flow for a moment. You don't even to wait to wait for me to prompt it. Just begin to say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And I'm asking Holy Spirit you'd move in this moment to bring breakthrough, to bring freedom, to bring release. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, while I'm praying, in an instant, in a flash of an eye, I saw this vision in the spirit. And it's, uh, it's you. you, you got into this airplane, and the airplane was stuck on the taxiway, but finally the tower said it was your turn, and you came down to the end of the runway and just took off. And it was a beautiful launch, a beautiful start to it, an amazing adventure. And this is a, a spiritual vision that's a, a word of knowledge for somebody. And, and it's very particular for somebody. If this is your, this kind of language and this kind of picture resonates with you, it is the Lord speaking to you and saying, the things that you have been preparing for and dreaming about, it's time to launch into them. Get on down the runway. Hit the throttle. Now's the time. The conditions are right. The lift is there. Go for it. I believe that's a word for somebody right now. So you do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Okay, for somebody else, you came here today uh, and you were kind of hobbling on your way in, hobbling out of your bed, hobbling down the hallway, hobbling as you walk from your car because your ankle's messed up, your ankle's hurting. I want to pray for you for healing uh, in your ankle. Somebody, that's you. I just described you. And you're going, how, how do you know? I just am speaking from uh, the spirit for a second. And if that's you, if you would say, I need healing in my ankles, I want you to just raise your hand right now. If that's you and you legitimate, keep your hand up if that's you. Right over here in my left in the back, right over here sitting, right here in the middle. Okay, who else? If there's anyone else, I don't want to miss you. On this side, right over here on my right. Okay. So there's, and there may be, if there's a hand up way in the back, 
Okay, keep your hand up if that's you. You need prayer for your ankles. Right over here in the middle, in the back, way in the back, a couple of you. Uh, here's what we got to do. Jesus, Jesus went around healing people, right? And we're followers of Jesus. And so this is a, a word of knowledge. Out of all the things that we have need for healing from, this is this one thing that I feel Jesus just is prompting me in the spirit to make sure we pray for today. Those hands, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. You need the prayer for the touch of God in your ankles. And so we want to ask for the touch of God on your bodies. Now, if you have faith for Jesus Christ to bring healing to a body and you're near one of these ones, their hand is up. I want you to go near them right now. Extend a hand to them or even place a hand on their shoulder gently. And I want you to pray right now in the spirit for healing to come. For healing for those ankles. For somebody that, man, they can't quite even do their job if God's touch doesn't come. They can't make it to work and they need to provide. So would you touch their body right now. And Lord Jesus, as we are laying hands on people to pray for healing, we believe, God, that you are ready to heal. And we believe the scriptures that say, by your stripes we are healed. And so we declare the shed blood of Jesus over these ankles. And we declare a strengthening coming into these ankles right now. A realignment, a supernatural chiropractic experience for some. And for others, a supernatural nerve repair. And for someone else, it's a supernatural cartilage growth coming back. For someone else, it's a supernatural tendon being repaired. Right now, I'm praying, Father, for your power to come. Holy Spirit, let your power come. Somebody join me right now in interceding and just say, Holy Spirit, let your power come. Say it with me. Holy Spirit, let your power come for healing in these bodies. We're asking for this, God, with faith in what you can do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe that you're my healer. And I believe that you are all I need. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to just sing that one more time. I believe it. And I believe that you're my healer. And I believe that you are all I need. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now, as we just sung a simple song of faith, we didn't stop praying, but I believe God's spirit has come. And so for somebody, there were about a dozen of us that had our hand raised to say, pray for my ankles. And, and I want you to, uh, those of you who we prayed for your ankles, I want you to stand up if you were sitting, and I want you to do some little jumps, and I want you to feel what's going on in your ankles right now. Come on, do it. Maybe everybody just join me. It's fun. You'll get some, you'll get some extra calories burnt for the cheesecake you were trying to have this afternoon. Just go for it for a second. Come on, somebody. Just jump a little. It'll feel good. Scientifically proven that when you jump like this, it gets your whole body activated. Now, okay, you can stop. Those of you, those of you who had your hand raised because we were praying for your ankles, do you feel it? Do you feel the relief? Do you feel the difference? Do you feel the way God touched you? And if he did, here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise two hands right now if you felt God touch you in your body. Right here, right up there in the back, right here in the middle. Come on. We just celebrate God's goodness way over here on this side, right here. Come on, celebrate. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. 
Praise God, praise God, we praise God. Now listen, I know that, that for some of us, we're like, wait a minute, why did you only say ankles? How come you didn't call out breast cancer? How come you didn't call? I, what we do in a moment like this is respond to the prompting of the Spirit. And uh, today it was ankles. But if you need someone to pray for you for healing, you can come on up to the front and our prayer team will pray for you. God bless you, church. Uh, we went a little long, and so rather than singing a closing song, got to get your kids and get some lunch. So I bless you in Jesus' name to walk in his power and strength and love. Amen.